This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. I'm racing for my name for winning another championship for our team. You have the opportunity to advance to the championship round. There's really no protocol. You go for it. Why will the 14 team win the championship? Um, man, why not? Four days ago at Texas likely feels a lot further away for the four team of Kevin Harvick after a dominant performance to earn a spot in the championship four or so everybody thought. Harvick now has his back against the wall. He happens to be heading to his most dominant track with a trip to the championship on the line. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody, presented by Mobile One. Carolyn Mano joined from NBC Charlotte by Kyle Petty and Nate Ryan. Gentlemen, let's start with this news, the biggest of the week and maybe the playoffs. NASCAR's announcement that Kevin Harvick's berth in the championship four would be taken away as part of major penalties against the four team following their win Sunday at Texas. The penalties stem from an unapproved spoiler that was found on Harvick's car during inspection at NASCAR's R&D Center in North Carolina. Penalties also include the loss of 40 points and the suspension of both crew chief Rodney Childers and car chief Robert Cheddar Smith for the final two races. Tony Gibson and Nick DeFazio will take over those respective roles. Harvick now sitting just three points above the cut line to advance to the championship race. So, Nate, yesterday we learned what happened. Today we focus on what this means moving forward, not only to the weekend, but also big picture. These penalties add a ton of drama, but at what cost? Well, Carolyn, I think in the long term, a significant cost. Short term, it's great, Kyle. I mean, obviously, it opens yeah. up the championship picture. Suddenly, we're talking about Kurt Busch really having a yeah. shot at making it on points, along with Chase Elliott. Everybody is now back in this thing in a way they weren't just a, a couple of days ago. But I think that from the long-term perspective, <laughs> I don't think NASCAR wants to be in the business of yeah. announcing midweek penalties on a regular basis and having the discussion focus on rules and yeah. pinion shims or window brackets or all of these impenetrable things that aren't really about racing. I think NASCAR would prefer to keep the conversation focused on racing and have the race end on Sunday night. Yeah, the race should be defined by what goes on on the racetrack, not by what goes on at the R&D Center, not why, what goes on in that inspection room, not any of that. But the focus has changed to the inspection process and the post-race inspection process. Um, and and I, I don't think that's good for the sport long-term, as you say. I, it is not good for the sport long-term. We have to bring it back to the field. We have to put it back on the track and make that the focus. At the same time, short-term, heading into Phoenix, it makes this week an exciting race. There are... Obviously, Kyle Busch and Martin Truex are up there, but you've closed up and you've given Chase Elliott hope. And if you give a guy hope, they're dangerous. Nate, before we move on to the weekend, let's just button up the point that you just made. Is there anything that NASCAR can do or will do moving forward to try to amend this R&D process so that fans know that when they leave the racetrack, not only do they know who won the race, but there won't be these bombshells dropped in the middle of the week? 
Well, NASCAR has changed, changed its policy, Carolyn, for this weekend at Phoenix. Scott Miller, Executive Vice President of Competition for NASCAR, told us last night that they will be inspecting spoilers in a different way. Spoiler was, of course, the, the violation that they found with Kevin Harvick's team. They will be inspecting those at the track at Phoenix in the way that they did at the R&D Center. That was why the violation wasn't caught on Kevin Harvick's car at Texas in pre-race inspection. They didn't do as rigorous an inspection as they'll be doing this weekend at Phoenix. So you wouldn't expect to see that same problem on any cars this yeah. weekend. And oh, by the way, also Homestead Miami Speedway, NASCAR will be conducting its full inspection process after the race. So there won't be a midweek penalty in which the champion would change a few days later. What would you say, Kyle, to a fan that says, this is amazing, this adds a ton of drama, we love storylines like this, it makes the playoffs better, what is, there is no downside to something like this? No, for a fan that has a ticket to Phoenix, his ticket just doubled in, doubled in value, I'm telling you, uh, because it, it adds to what this weekend is. It adds to so much excitement, so much tension. Uh, Nate and I were talking before we went on air. It makes what Joey Logano, what Joey Logano and the controversy that we saw come out of Martinsville, it's perfect because he's had two weeks to focus on nothing, nothing at all except making it to Homestead, getting to Miami. Kevin Harvick was going to have one week luxury of doing that same thing, but it went away. So Joey Logano has a two-week head start on everybody. There are four or five teams going into to my or to, to Phoenix who say, we can be one of those guys. We can get there. Uh, we can point our way in. We don't necessarily have to win. And then two guys that are outside, when we look at Clint Boyer uh, and we look at the bottom of the list there, Eric Almirola, those guys have to win, but it's still viable point-wise to make it. Phoenix is sold out already, by the way. A lucky 50,000 that are going to be on hand to see what we can only assume are fireworks. Uh, Nate, what do you think realistically about how the four team is going to respond here at Phoenix? Rodney Childers, the lack of him being there and the impact that that has, is this something that they are going to feel this weekend? Well, Carolyn, I think Kyle's laughing because when you say Rodney Childers' lack of him being there, I think we know he probably will be there. He <laughs> yeah. just won't be there in the normal capacity. He'll probably be on site somewhere in communication yeah. with the team, just not in the usual uh, direct sort of way. So they'll have Tony Gibbs in there as the, crew chief, as the crew chief. And, of course, he's worked in the playoffs before, Kyle. He has yeah. the championship veteran experience. He knows Kevin Harvick because when he was Kurt Busch's crew chief, Tony Gibson was in the team debrief meetings with yeah. Kevin Harvick. He probably understands what he's looking for and what he wants in a race car. And, then of course, like what better track for this team to go to yeah. Than Phoenix, yeah. where since they reconfigured it seven years ago, Kevin Harvick's been the unquestionable fastest yeah. driver. But uh, what's uh, the uh, lag time, Kyle? Because Rodney's there, but he's yes. not right there making the decisions. You know, how does that, yeah. just the nuance of that impact everything? Okay, I, I think that that is a, a hindrance. Uh, and it could be bigger than what we anticipate sometimes, especially when we're in the playoffs. Uh, make no mistake that they are showing up at Phoenix with the best car they have, with the best stuff they have, the best engine, and Kevin Harvick is prepared to run there. That team does it every week. They started this, this race to Phoenix, or what they're going to unload at Phoenix, a couple of weeks ago. They always unload with fast cars. The problem becomes during the race, more so than I see during the week, during the race, it's that lag time. It's understanding the tone of Kevin's voice. It's understanding. We saw this past week. They thought they had a, a loose wheel. They thought they had a loose wheel. How will Tony Gibson react when Kevin Harvick says, I might have a loose wheel? Will he be as calm? Will he be able to talk him down? Will he be able to talk him through it? 
It's those moments that I think will be the Achilles heel uh, of, of what happens with this team and whether they survive a mistake on pit road, whether they move forward that way. Uh, so I think it's that little bit of maybe a half second behind, a half second relay if, if uh, Rodney Childers is listening to be able to relay that to the crew chief, to the driver. If there is one thing that this team can fall back on this weekend, it's the fact that Kevin Harvick is the best driver in this racetrack's history, hands down. The desert dominator Kevin Harvick. Harvick has made this track his own personal playground. He knows every inch of this racetrack. I love coming here and, and you drive into that tunnel here. You expect to race up front. Harvick conquered Phoenix in the spring. He's going to do it here today as well. Well, I mean, it's never over till it's over. Kevin Harvick is going to victory lane. For the fourth time here, Kevin Harvick is going to victory lane. Kevin Harvick dominates in the desert. She was freaky fast today. What a dominating day by Kevin Harvick. Checkered flag in Phoenix for Kevin Harvick. His seventh win here at Phoenix International Raceway. Harvick draws even again. They touch again at the start-finish line. What a finish. Let the celebration begin for Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick is a winner for the ninth time here at Phoenix. For all those supporters out there and all you haters, I see you. This is Kevin Harvick's money track. The king of Phoenix International Raceway continues to reign. no question about it. Phoenix is the house of Harvick. He scored nine wins and more than 1,500 laps led there in his career. As for his three teammates at Seward Haas, they are a combined one for 72 at Phoenix, and that win came more than 13 years ago. How much stock, Nate, should we put in past performance at this track for Kevin Harvick? Yeah, a lot, Carolyn, and I think you can just go off what we heard there. I, you haters, I see you. Uh, he already did this <laughs> earlier this year after coming off a penalty at Las Vegas where they basically stripped the win. He goes to Phoenix the next week and emboldened and feeling motivated. And I think Kevin Harvick likes having a chip on his shoulder. That's what he had at Phoenix back on March 11th, as we're seeing here in this video, where he took the checkered flag again at this track. He's in the same situation, Kyle. And I think this team just feeds on it, not just in this instance. There was 2014 where Kevin Harvick came into Phoenix down in the points, he won this race, went on to Homestead Miami Speedway the next week, won the race in the championship. Yeah, and I agree. I think this team feeds on that, but I think Kevin Harvick feeds on that, which in turn motivates this team. We did a racing route on NBCSN uh, on where Kevin was from, Bakersfield, and his wrestling and things like that. That formed who Kevin Harvick is. Kevin Harvick has always been that little guy in wrestling that was pushed around, and he was going to show people. He could do it, and he was a champion wrestler. He, he did it, and he's taken that to the track. He's taken it to Mesa Marin and local tracks all over California. Now he's brought it to the big stage, and he still does the same thing. You back him into a corner. You put his back against the wall, and you tell him, this is the way it's going to be, and he shakes his head and said, that's not the way it's going to be. This is what it, the way it's going to be. I'm going to show you. So I think the plus that this team has going for it, more than the history, more than anything else, is who Kevin Harvick is as a person and who he is as an individual going into this race. Because you know who he is as a person, the kind of competitor that he is, I wonder, Kyle, what your prediction is for how he has taken this information and processed it. Because I was thinking, Nate, about his legacy. This story feels so big right now because it is. If he is able to go to Phoenix and get this win and go to Homestead and win this championship, he has been the favorite this entire season. How will his legacy be affected by this, do you think, Kyle? Is this big enough to, to leave a stain? No. No. And listen, and I, I say this, and let me, let me say why. I, and, and maybe I say it too flippant. 
Um, but at the same time, if we go back in the history of this sport to Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt Sr. and so many other drivers who have had incidents of being disqualified or having points taken or, or being illegal after the race, it, it, you still look at Dale Earnhardt on a pedestal. You still put Richard Petty on a pedestal. You still do certain things like that. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's a stain. You ask where, what, what Kevin Harvick's done with it? Kevin Harvick's taken it, processed it, and he's using it as motivation. It's not bothering him today. He's not worried about it. He's focused on going to Phoenix. Look, it's not going to keep Kevin Harvick out of the NASCAR no. Hall of Fame. That's secure. But going back to what I said at the outset, long-term implications – I think there'll be a little bit of a cloud, a little bit of taint with this championship if he wins it. No matter who wins it, I think what was announced yesterday presents a little bit of a problematic sort of situation atmosphere there for NASCAR. Mm. All right, still a lot of ground to cover on the show over the next hour. How are Joey Logano and the 22 crew balancing this weekend at Phoenix with preparing for the title race at Miami? Crew chief Todd Gordon is going to have some thoughts on that for us. He'll join us. Kevin Harvick's penalty has set up an intense battle to make the cut on Sunday. We'll go deeper into who has the best chance to advance out of that group. Sirius XM's Pete Pistoni will also weigh in on the Harvick news and how it may have a negative impact on how NASCAR is perceived. And as the Xfinity Series heads for its own elimination race at Phoenix, can Elliott Sadler earn a shot to go out as a champion? All that and more coming up. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Sunday night, all eyes will be on Philadelphia as the Super Bowl champs renew their rivalry with America's team, Dak Prescott, and the Cowboys squaring off against Carson Wentz and the Eagles football night in America, 7 Eastern, kickoff at 8.20 Sunday night, only on NBC. Galleon. I'm the gas man on the Shell Pennzoil 22 Ford, and uh, obviously just a, a great day for us on pit road. Uh, we were able to, to uh, find some success, put him out first. Uh, he did the rest. Uh, great finish to the race. Hope all the fans enjoyed it, and uh, we're on the homestead. For the third time, Joey Logano and the 22 crew will race for a title in Miami. Consistency in the team's pit crew and the road crew has played a major role in that. Crew Chief Dodd Gordon has led the way for each of Logano's championship efforts, and he spoke with Marty Snyder earlier this week. Well, Todd Gordon and the 22 team getting ready for the trip out west to Phoenix this weekend. And, and let's talk about getting ready for that race. A lot of the teams kind of stayed in Texas an extra day, got their cars ready for Phoenix there. You guys did it differently. Kind of walk us through how you guys approached it. Yeah, we bring our race cars, our team back here to the shop. Mm -hmm. uh, we spend Monday turning our cars around and getting them prepared. That way we're preparing the same way we normally do for all the weekends. And you're not asking the truck drivers to have extra stuff in the truck and be in an unfamiliar environment. The, just getting consistency back. So Monday we finished them up here late Monday afternoon and uh, put them on a truck to ship them out to Phoenix. That's a good a good approach. So I'm, I'm curious since the Martins will win, how things have been different for you guys. Is, is it a shift where you go kind of 80% focusing on Miami from that moment and kind of 20% on the current weekend? Yeah, I would definitely say that. It's a, there's a lot of emphasis that went into, went into Homestead coming back Monday from, from Martinsville. But um, we're still trying to keep that momentum. I think, you know, it's professional sports still. And you've got having good finishes and having good efforts on a race team and, and the racetrack 
for the pit crew and everybody. It, it's important to build that going into Homestead. So we're keeping some focus on the races that we're a part of, but uh, definitely have an eye out to the future of Homestead. You mentioned the pit crew. I want to ask you about that. Is that the secret weapon you guys have right now? Because in my mind, they're the best on pit road right now. Would you agree? Yeah, the last two weeks they've been phenomenal. It's uh, it's it's amazing how we just shuffle a little bit. We've had great people. We've had a great crew. Uh, if you look at it, they've gotten us to where we are, and, and we made a couple of just minor adjustments, and um, they've been spot on. And, and we'll we'll keep that we'll try to keep the momentum going through uh, for the next two weeks. Whose idea was it to say let's let's put a tire carrier as the Jackman? Well, I think you know the 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 reduction of one person on the pit crew. Mm-hmm brought a lot of different scenarios forward and we we tried to as a group to to bring we've got great jackman and and ours that was was very good but we had to teach some different people different uh disciplines and um graham's done a great job of being a carrier and, and learning the jack part of it and we've got guys that have done a, you know braxton who uh jacks the two car he was a jack man who's really learned how to carry work or that position continues to evolve but that's uh seems to be where our speed is at right now all right, let's talk about Phoenix this weekend. Moving the start-finish line, it's going to be a completely different racetrack. So how, how's the biggest dynamic going to change this weekend, you think? Well, I think the, the unknowns that we come to is with the start-finish line being short of the dogleg, how the dogleg plays into once you cross the start-finish line and the moves you can make. I really can see an opportunity for cars to be three, four wide, getting down into the new turn one, what, what we used to call turn three. Um, so the restarts will be different in that respect. And the restart zone actually happening back on the corner, I don't know how that's going to impact the cars and their ability to launch. It's not the same old thing for the drivers. They'll need to pay a little more attention to the line and where they're going than just the tack and where their speed is. The one thing we know for sure, a lot of unknowns this weekend at Phoenix with the start-finish line moving. Going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Marty, thank you. So, Nate, Todd Gordon mentioned it. They have made some tweaks, some small adjustments. But for the most part, Joey Logano has had this core group around him since he arrived at Penske. And you look at the list, how much does this matter during a championship run? It's nice to already be at Homestead, but oh, by the way, you have a number of people that you trust. Yeah, I think it matters a lot, Carolyn, especially when you go back to the first championship run in 2014. It was a pit stop that cost Joey Logano a chance at winning the title that year. And since then, they've been back again in 2016. Now they're there in 2018. They've been through the wars, Kyle. They're battle-tested. They know what they're facing. And it's it's funny kind of that we're talking about the changes to the pit crew kind of helping them when there's really a stability and continuity, not just in the pit crew, but the road crew. I mean, Todd Gordon has been Joey Logano's crew yeah. chief since 2013. And I think when Joey Logano arrived at Team Penske, he felt a part of something yeah. the way he never really had before at Joe Gibbs Racing. I think that's been a big key yeah. to his success. And, and, and I think you're exactly right. This is Joey Logano's team. Right. This team was built around him. With Todd Gordon, this team was built around Joey Logano. All these guys, they've won together and they failed together. And there's a lot in that. There's a lot in that. There's a lot in that communication. There's a lot in going to dinner with each other every night on the road. There's a lot in riding out to the racetrack every morning together, being there on a Sunday afternoon, watching your car win a race, being there on Sunday afternoon, loading the truck up in defeat. And I think that's what we go back to a little bit when we talk about the Kevin Harvick thing and having new people in place. This team is solid, solid to the core. They believe in each other. Uh, the stability that being together for two or three years together, um, I don't think they make mistakes now. They don't make mental mistakes. That's the deal. Being around each other, they make up for each other. And we were talking before the show, Kyle. I mean, now they have a chance where everybody else 
who's in the playoffs still, yeah. is worried. They're in the cauldron yes. this weekend at Phoenix. There's all this tension and all this pressure, and they're kicking back a little, right? Yeah, think, think about it. They're the only team that's going to Phoenix, the only team that went to Texas that knew they were already in the chase or in the playoffs, knew they were already had their ticket and was there. And after they came out, they said, welcome to the boat, <laughs> Kevin Harvick. And then they're like, Tuesday, they're like, Get, see you later, Kevin Harvick, you're out. So they're still in there. Yeah. And they're watching all these other guys swimming around trying to get into the boat. And these guys are treading water right now. And they're going to be focused on Phoenix. They're not focused on Miami. Not that Joey Logano is not focused on taking that car out there and winning the race at Phoenix. But at the same time, they came to win the war, not to win the battle. They came to win the war. I wonder if Todd Gordon threw out um, seven life jackets. Do you think he was that kind? Just here, Kevin five. and the rest of the five. guys. Oh, only five. Okay. <laughs> only five. Um, all right, well, we are going to talk about all those guys around the bubble and what's at stake when we come back. There really are only a few points that separate Kevin Harvick from the bottom four drivers entering Phoenix and which of them have the best chance to leave the desert with a spot in the championship four. We're going to make some predictions on that when we come back. Back, everybody. It took overtime to do it, but Kevin Harvick capped off a dominant drive with a victory at Texas Motor Speedway. But the mood has turned from celebration to desperation as major penalties handed down yesterday cost the four team their berth in the championship four. Harvick lost 40 points as part of those penalties, putting him on the bubble at just three points up on teammate Kurt Busch. The penalty has also given Chase Elliott a puncher's chance in this thing. And then as for Eric Amarola and Clint Boyer, they are closer to but they are still in a virtual must-win in order to get to Miami. Let's go through some of these drivers on the playoff bubble now. Just refamiliarize ourselves with who these players are. It's a group that hails from all different parts of the country. Kevin Harvick is the eldest of the group, 42 years old. He's got about 22 years on Chase Elliott, who's 22. Two of the five drivers in this group, Harvick and Bush, already have cup titles. Boyer and Elliott have Xfinity titles to their credit. So a group of accomplished drivers who are now looking to add a cup title. Let's get into their individual playoff situations now. Let's start with Kevin Harvick. And Kyle, I think his situation heading into the weekend has been well documented in the wake of this big news that's hit the team. What do you see for them this weekend? Is it a victory? Yes, I, I do. And, and I say that awfully fast. But I don't see anything changing just because they had a penalty, just because they've got 40 points off, just because um, Rodney Childers is not going to be there. They're going to overcome all that because I don't see how he runs at Phoenix, the speed they've had all year long, and what that team can do. I don't see it changing when we get to Phoenix. I, I feel like it's probably going to be a victory for him, Kyle. But I'll go back to what uh, Jeff Burton and Steve Wittard said yesterday on NASCAR America, where being three points above the cut line puts them in an interesting position where I think they have to worry about stage points. I think you have to worry yes. about how they finish in stage one and stage two and play the points game a little bit while they're trying to play the must-win game. And that could put them in a weird spot, but I think you're right. I think ultimately he still wins the race. If you look at the rest of this group, Kurt Busch and Chase Elliott can really make it to Homestead now on points. This Kevin Harvick news was amazing for them. They don't have to win. And if you look at Kurt Busch, maybe people were writing him off before these penalties came down, but he has a real chance here now, Nate. Well, we know he hasn't been writing himself off, Carolyn, because <laughs> Kyle's been putting that out throughout the last couple of weeks. Kurt Busch keeps saying, I got him right where I want him. Right where I want him. <laughs> he, and before, that was 25 points down, and now it's not. Now it's three points down. So maybe now he theoretically yeah. is, a, in, is in a position where he could get three round points. Maybe Kurt knew something we didn't know if you <laughs> no, want to talk yeah. conspiracy. About his teammate. Yeah, about his teammate. So, because all of a sudden he is in. But I still believe 
uh, even though he's run solid six, solid seventh, solid eighth, right along in there, you're gonna have to run solid first, solid second for him to point his way in above Kevin Harvick. I just, it's gonna be, I still think it's hard. I think that there's hope for this team, uh, but I just don't see the performance out of this team to up it that little bit more. Chase Elliott is 17 under, Kyle. If Kevin Harvick isn't able to execute and get this winner for some reason, the speed isn't there that we have seen, what chance do you give Chase Elliott of showing up this weekend and performing and earning a spot to Miami based on a win? You know, I'd like to be incredibly positivistic um, <laughs> and, and, and tell you that everything's going to work out. But here's the, here's the problem. Here's the problem with a lot of the things that we talk about, right, is – Chase Elliott goes to Martinsville, has the second best finish of his entire career at Martinsville, seven, and drops 28 points. Because of the competition that you're racing against, 17 points is a long way. Yes, there's hope that you can make that up. But he has to, still has to, in my opinion, score massive stage points and put himself in a position to win this thing at the end, to have any shot at pointing his way in or making it to Homestead. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I don't think he gets thrown points, but yeah. I am optimistic that maybe he could win. I mean, yeah. after Harvick, I would probably put him yeah. next among drivers who potentially could win at Phoenix. He ran really well there last year. He's run well there um, historically. And I think that team just took that next step this year where yes, they are did. on the threshold now of being championship contenders and could break through. Yeah, the two drivers that. below them essentially need a win. I mean, the strategy is pretty straightforward for Eric Almirola, 35 uh, back, Clint Boyer's 51 back. Has anything changed, Nate, with this news of Kevin Harvick leveling the playing field to a certain extent for Eric Almirola? No, I mean, it really, it's just a second chance, I think, Carolyn. And I, I think everything is gravy to this point right now for this team, Kyle. I don't think they expected to be in the round of eight. Yeah. And, hey, if they make it through, great. If they don't, it's still his best season in Cup. Yeah, his best season. It's a career year. I, I felt like last week was Eric's best shot. I felt like too many people moved above him to have a better shot. You talk Chase Elliott. We can talk uh, Clint Boyer. We can talk so many drivers that I think Phoenix fits their style better than they fit Eric. So I think Eric moves down the list a little bit. I love what Clint Boyer said a couple minutes ago, commercial break or two ago. He said, somebody's got to win, why not us? Or something to that extent. I mean, that that is what they have to do. Clint Boyer just has to show up and win this race. And basically, that's what he told Marty. Let's go get him. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, as disappointed as he was uh, walking out of Texas, um, the, his last comment was, we'll go get him. That's it. And he knows what it is. He, they have the simplest path. You know what I mean? They, they know they can't point their way in. They know there's no hope for them any other way except to go out and outrun everybody. And when you know when you show up at the racetrack, I've got one job. That's to beat everybody here. If I'm successful, I move on. If I'm not, I've still had a solid year. I've had a good year. And they, are, they come out of this good either way, I think. As disappointing as Martinsville and Texas were, both weekends for this team where they qualified well and then just didn't have it during the yeah. course of the race, I think they enter Phoenix thinking, it can't be any worse than the yeah, last two exactly. weeks. Let's just go for broke, try to throw caution yeah. to the wind and see if we can win. All right, when we come back, it's back to our top story of the day, top story of the week, top story of the playoffs. Teams always pushing right to the edge to get this performance. But in the wake of Kevin Harvick's penalties, is that a good thing for the sport? Sirius XM's Pete Pistoni has a strong opinion on it. He's going to join us next here on NASCAR America. It's nice to have big storylines heading into the weekend, and for seven playoff drivers, it is time to put it all on the line. One last chance to earn a spot in the championship for the Monster Energy Cup Series playoffs at Phoenix begin Sunday at 2.30 Eastern on NBC. 
Another quick spoiler on his winning car at Texas has left Kevin Harvick without a spot in the championship four as well, and he will have to race his way in at Phoenix without his regular crew chief and car chief. But experienced hands are stepping up to help the 14. Dave Burns has more on that. So, Carolyn, let's talk logistics for the four team. And a lot of things really don't change because, remember, the Phoenix cars were shipped out to Texas Motor Speedway to be transferred into the race day haulers. On Monday morning, uh, the crew chief, Rodney Childers, and car chief, Cheddar Smith, and the road crew went to work prepping the cars, doing final preparation for Phoenix, much the way they would here at the shop. And down the road, those cars went. Rodney and Cheddar, they came home thinking they were going to travel out today with the team. And that's where the change comes, of course. Tony Gibson is now the crew chief, and Nick DeFazio is the car chief. Nick's normally the setup technician on the four team, so he knows the car very well. He'll just transfer his skills to the road. And, of course, Tony Gibson, the production manager here at Stewart Haas Racing, he knows those race cars stem to stern. And don't forget, he was only a crew chief uh, as, as late as last year for Kurt Busch. And one more little factoid on Tony Gibson. His first win as a crew chief came at ISM Raceway. That was with Ryan Newman back in 2010, the April race, and uh, went to Victory Lane there. So, knows his way around Victory Lane, knows his way around a race car. If they communicate well, they could take Kevin Harvick to Miami with a win on Sunday. Dave, thank you. Joining us now is the co-host of The Morning Drive, weekday mornings on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. That's Channel 90, Pete Pistoni. So, Pete, the bench is deep at Stuart Haas Racing, as Dave just noted. And the saying has been, if you're not cheating in this sport, you're not trying. Every single team constantly looking to get close to that line. This is a story that has overwhelmed The Morning Drive, the entire sport, really. Is this good for the sport, the notion that cheating should be a part of it? Well, in my opinion, it's not. And I think if you guys had to ask me one word to sort of sum up the morning drive and Sirius XM NASCAR radio this week, from both the host and the callers and the listeners, is one of exhaustion. As we've been here before. We've been here so many times. And we were about, what, two and a half days removed from the race at Texas Motor Speedway. We had a lot of good conversation, even though it wasn't the greatest race on Sunday. A lot of good conversation about the playoffs and championships and who needs to do what and all that. And then all of a sudden, like a punch in the gut comes Wednesday morning when we get the news about the big penalty with Kevin Harvick. And so, yes, it has thrown us into this discussion about whether or not if you're not cheating, you're not trying, and all those sort of old-school things that have been around the sport forever to people who feel like, this is just not a good look for the NASCAR world and it's not a good look for a sport who's only two weeks away from crowning its champion. So I'm having a tough time getting away from the fact that I just felt like it was a black eye for the sport, and hopefully we can put it behind us quickly and go racing in Phoenix this weekend. Pete, I know you've got some strong opinions on what constitutes cheating, but where do you draw the lines, and where have you heard callers say that they draw the lines on what cheating is? I mean, for myself, sometimes it feels like an arbitrary type of concept where NASCAR might add a rule and something that wasn't cheating a year earlier suddenly is. What defines for you true cheating in, in the NASCAR world? See, in, in this case, Nate, for me, and, I, and you're 100% right about that, you know, that line of demarcation, where is it? If it's a little tolerance over here and they're, and they're uh, past the line, and i got to go back and tech and all that, is that, is that quite cheating? This one feels to me like cheating. I mean, you got a, a part that wasn't approved. It was moved to a place where, from what I understand, the team felt like they didn't check that part of that car for like two years. Let's give this a shot. And when NASCAR comes down with the L1 penalty and takes away the win – in terms of how it doesn't count to go to the next round of the playoffs, I don't know how you cannot look at that and say, boy, that, that was cheating. 
But you, there's so much gray area here, and that's the problem. You cannot just throw out the baby with the bathwater and just go across the board and saying anybody that fails inspection this way or that way is going to be deemed cheating. That word gets thrown around a lot, and it's probably not fair. But I think in this case, the, the hammer that came down and the way that they found what they did with that particular car has made most people feel like this was blatant cheating. So, Pete, why are you so bothered by the penalty that came down if – it's not as gray as you say everything else is. If this is a case where it was clearly over the line and now they've had these points revoked and they won't have their crew chief and their car chief and everybody's moving forward. I mean, I get the sense that this is something that has just bothered you so deeply all week. Well, it hasn't. And I think one of the reasons is, um, is that I do some stuff outside the NASCAR world with some general sports, that kind of a thing. And anytime I talk to anybody, I sometimes feel like I get thrown into defending the sport. Again, perception is reality to a lot of people, whether that's fair or not. The court of public opinion from anybody that doesn't follow this on a regular basis is this looks like to them a sport that harbors and champions cheating and all the things like Nate said, if you're not cheating, you're not trying and all that kind of a thing. And I just wonder, and I know where this all came from. I mean, I've been part of the sport since I was born because my family's been part of this sport. But I wonder if that translates to 2018. When we're trying to bring new people into the sport, is it, is it a hard sell to try to bring somebody in who thinks that this is a sport that sort of puts itself around the, the word cheating and sort of celebrates that? I, I think it is, and I think that's why it bothers me so much. Nate, do you think that those inside the sport are as bothered as Pete is? I, I think there's some segment of the NASCAR industry that does feel that way, Carolyn. I mean, I feel that way. I, I share his frustration, but I also think, I mean, Pete's right. Like, th there is sort of a part of rule-breaking that's endemic to what you're supposed to be doing when you're in NASCAR. So I don't think people look at it, the people in the garage probably don't look at it through the lens that Pete has, where he is involved in other sports outside of NASCAR and can see how it's perceived. And I agree with Pete. I think that there is a balance there where you have to be respectful of the fact that other people probably aren't going to understand as much that rule breaking is sort of part and parcel to what NASCAR is about. Pete, before we let you go, the other news of yesterday that was overshadowed quite a bit by this Kevin Harvick story is the fact that Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern have been confirmed that they will be with Joe Gibbs Racing next year in the 19 car. Has Daniel Suarez been given enough time to prove what he can do, or was Joe Gibbs Racing in a situation where this driver and crew chief pairing was out there and it was something that they felt like they had to do? Yeah, quite frankly, and without evading the question, I think it's a little of both. I think Daniel Suarez got thrown into the deep end of the pool, and he wasn't afforded the, the luxury of having a little time of basically learning on the job. The other side of that is when what happens, the furniture row racing happens, and you're Joe Gibbs, and all of a sudden the defending champion and his crew chief become available, you got to make the move, I think, and put him in the race car. I thought the most interesting thing that I heard yesterday from that story, Carolyn, was how Martin, or how Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern, and Cole Pern said this on Sirius X on NASCAR radio, it has been a huge distraction knowing what's going to happen to that team into the end of the year, getting it sort of off their shoulders. He felt like there was a weight lifted off his shoulders, and I wonder now that it's out there if you might see the performance of the 78 pick up a notch or two here, but that was a bit telling where we sort of speculated that, but I think what Cole Pern said yesterday hammered it home. This has been a huge distraction to that race team. Pete, we just saw the, the, the tweet there from Jeff Gluck that Daniel Suarez actually responded to about, hey, I wasn't rushed in the cup. My team changed my rookie year. That indicated to me that it seems like Daniel Suarez has a little bit left to prove in cup and might have something in the future. Where, where do you see the future here for him? 
Well, again, you know, you read the tea leaves. There's one big seat left out there. If Kirk Bush winds up going to Chip Ganassi and making that official like we're supposed to hear this weekend, I think he's going to wind up in the 41. That, that's what I'm seeing. And so to that point, Nate, of that tweet, yeah, Daniel Suarez, if he's got something to prove, I think he's going to have an opportunity to prove that in a pretty good race car over there at Stuart Haas Racing. That's kind of how I see this going down. It seems, Pete, that this is kind of like a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. I mean, has he done enough to get another shot with a big team like that based on the results that you've seen at the cup level? Well, it's been tough, um, but, I mean, let's be honest. Let's look at Joe Gibbs Racing on a whole, guys. Yeah, Kyle Busch has been great. Kenny Hamlin hasn't been spectacular. Eric Jones has shown burst of the promise that they had in him when he went there. He won a race this year. I get it. I mean, and Daniel Suarez, I think, and I understand what he's saying in the tweet there to Jeff Gluck. I mean, certainly he feels strong about his talent and his ability and all. But, I mean, you know as well as I do, anybody does, this is a tough thing to do and learn on the job. So I think, I think again, he was like the guy that everybody thought was going to be a superstar just like two years ago. And I think he's going to get another chance, and I do think he deserves another chance. And, again, if that chance is with Stuart Haas Racing, I think you'll see the results here within time. All right, Pete, thanks for being with us. It's been a wild week on Sirius XM, and I'm sure Phoenix will not have a shortage of storylines as well. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Still to come on the show, in his last season, Elliot Sadler hopes to lead the sport with an Xfinity Series championship. Can Sadler advance to Miami this weekend? And what part of the sport does he think the younger drivers still have a lot to learn about? We're going to hear from him next on NASCAR America. As a kid growing up, you, you always imagine yourself being a, a NASCAR champion. Man, that's the ultimate goal. This will be the most wins ever in a season by a rookie. I pride myself on being a winner, and winners win championships. Heck yeah, boys. How cool is that? The last two years being so close to winning a championship, the heartache of those is knowing how hard it is to get back to Homestead. This is my last chance of, of winning the Xfinity Championship. Cole Custer just punched his ticket to Miami. Winning the championship, it would prove to a lot of people that I belong here. On Saturday, the round of eight elimination race for the Xfinity Series will go green at Phoenix. Cole Custer is locked into the championship four with his win last week at Texas, leaving three spots left for Miami. They are currently held by Tyler Reddick, Elliott Sadler, and Daniel Hemrick. No matter what happens in Phoenix, veteran Elliott Sadler is entering his final two races as a full-time NASCAR driver, and he spoke with Nate Bryan on the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Their conversation included some of the most important lessons that Sadler's learned in his career. So the Wood Brothers hired me. We go up for a, a supper at the Wood Brothers shop, and Eddie Wood brings me to the back of the shop. And there is all the employees with their wives and their kids. So everybody that it affects. And here I am, a 23-year-old know-it-all, right, a kid. And he pulls me in front of everybody and he says, your decisions you make on and off the racetrack dictate how these families are fed. Wow. Affects all these families. So you think younger drivers, are they missing that perspective a little bit? 100%. Everybody's just on dad's money right now. They don't really care. I think sometimes these, these kids come in on a red carpet, don't really understand the sacrifices and stuff that other people have made for them to get there. And I don't think they understand when they make the decisions they make, how many people it honestly affects. 
That's some very sage advice, Nate, that a young driver can get yeah. to really consider everybody around them. Um, how did you interpret those comments when he told you on the podcast that he thinks that younger drivers aren't getting that memo? <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, Carolyn, because we, we talked about when Elliot Sadler was doing his first stint in the Xfinity Series 20 years ago, he talked about he was the only young guy, it Kyle. Was. It, was, it was him, and then it was like, you know, Todd Bodine, Jeff Green, Randy LaJoy, all these veterans, I think, imparted all this knowledge onto him. Yeah. And now, as he's exiting his career here, two more races to go, he's become the veteran, the elder statesman of this series, yeah. and I think he's surrounded by young guys. Yeah, it's a, it's a different complexion of the circuit uh, than it was back when he was racing. On yeah, it, it is, and and you know some of those comments when he when he talks about dad's money and stuff, they got there a different way than he got there. Exactly. He got yeah. he got there way with hard work, and he looked to Randy LaJoy, he looked to David Green and Mark Green and those guys, and they got there the same way. So they were like, hey, be thankful you're here. It's a hard place to be. Now these guys come and go, they play a while, and then they decide, I don't want to be a race car driver anymore. I want to go run the mattress business or whatever that may be. So it, it is, it's a different mentality, but he takes the right approach. Remember, when you are the face of that team, every one of those drivers, the face of that team, the face of the sponsor, um, and there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. Sadler's been very candid about what a championship would mean to him, and he has said that there will be a void if he's not able to get one before he walks away from the sport. There is so much on the line for him and everybody else at Phoenix. And, oh, by the way, if you at home don't remember how last season ended in the Xfinity Series, it was Elliott Sadler that tangled with Ryan Priest in those final laps at Homestead, and William Byron was able to just kind of capitalize on that, scoot on by and win the championship, Nate. So I wonder, with everything that happened back in 2017 and with the idea in his head that he could potentially be walking away with the title how much of all of this do you think is still on his mind from last season I, I think it's very much on his mind Carolyn especially if he advances from this weekend at Phoenix which I think he will uh, Elliot Sadler thinks of himself now we talked about this on the podcast as an Xfinity driver even though he spent 11 seasons in the Cup Series the last eight years or whatever have been in the Xfinity Series Kyle and I, I feel like he wants to validate his career yeah. by going out with yeah. a championship and being, because he knows this is how he's going to be remembered, is as the guy who raced in Xfinity for so long, raced for many teams, conducted himself well, was a sponsor's dream. I think he needs this championship to kind of bring it all full circle. Yeah, and, and for him, and it's for him, right? Let's be honest, because for us, he doesn't need this championship right. Right. to be Elliott Sadler. He has been such a great ambassador for the sport, whether it be Cup, whether it be Xfinity. But this is for him personally. This is how he sees his career. Other drivers like Mark Martin never quite got to that part in the cup, never, never got to that, but was a champion driver and was a Hall of Fame driver. Elliott's going to be the same way when we look at his numbers in the cup and numbers in, in Xfinity. But, yes, I think he looks at this to say, I need this. I need this to be able to go home and lay my head down. It's still out there for him. This weekend's going to be big. You can download the full NASCAR on NBC podcast, by the way, with Elliot Sadler on all major platforms. It's up there now. It's a great listen. Also available, latest edition of Monday Morning Donuts. That includes a discussion about how smaller teams deal with racing against NASCAR powerhouses. That's a fascinating topic, um, as well as a look ahead to this weekend at Phoenix. So check those out. Meantime, the big three of Kyle Busch, Martin Trex Jr., and Kevin Harvick will look to earn their spots in the championship this weekend. So which of them should you pick for your fantasy team? Kyle and Nate have their teams ready. You're going to see them when we come back. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles.
Let's look at the odds for Sunday's race. The Westgate Las Vegas has Kevin Harvick as the favorite at 8-5. to five. No surprise given his history there, I guess. Uh, Kyle Busch, 4-1. to one. Both Martin Jokes Jr. and Chase Elliott are the third favorite at 8-1. to one. So as we turn our focus to NASCAR Fantasy Live, very tight race for bragging rights among the NASCAR and NBC broadcasters. Marty Snyder leading Lee Diffie by just five points. Steve Letarte, Jeff Burton, and our own Kyle Petty inside the top five as well. What a comeback for KP. All right. All right. All right. Smart one. Share your picks with us this weekend. Okay. I picked uh, Kevin Harvick. I picked uh, Kyle Busch because I like M&M's. Brad K because I like Miller beer. Oh, man. Uh, Kyle Larson because I needed somebody under 30 and I just needed somebody with a beard to fill out the, my top five there. And then Kevin Harvick straight across the board on the box. Picks look familiar. Yes. You know Same what? ones. I... I pick them every week. <laughs> Nate, what about you? Uh, I'm pretty much following chalk too, Carolyn. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin are my starters, and then I'm picking Kevin Harvick to win the race and still picking him from the outset to win the championship. Yes. All right. You know what? I had to switch it up just a little bit. Um, I picked Chase Elliott to win this one this weekend. I think he might have a shot to do it, but that's why I'm at the bottom of the fantasy league, I guess. And I went with Blaney and Brad Kozlowski as well. I'm just trying to shake it up. All right, as we wrap things up here, um, I have one more question for you, Kyle, about the big story of the day and of the week. Is this penalty for Kevin Harvick stiff enough? Because when, I, when this news first came out and I read it, I thought, oh, man, they are really going to struggle at Phoenix. This is a huge penalty. NASCAR threw the book at them. You are telling me today that they're going to be fast and they're predicted to win when you look at the odds. Yeah, and, and look, it's a penalty. It's a 15-yard penalty. It's a 5-yard penalty. It's whatever. It's, it's, it's a penalty uh, like, a, like any other sport. I think a deterrent is to take all the points away. To take every point, you just go to the back of the pack, you get last place points. That's what you get. He, he got 40 points penalized, but he still was able to keep the 20 points from his stage wins. I don't like that. I, so I think you need to be penalized everything. That's a penalty. But if they took all the points away, he'd still essentially be in the same position. I mean, still must win, and he can oh, still advance. Still, be, yeah. But he would be, right. now, he's, now he's back in Chase Elliott's position. Right. It's must win, and, and he's kind of in a must win, but not really. Listen, I don't know what it means uh, for the sport overall bigger than this weekend, but I do know that it has been very, very dramatic this week and that it's going to make for a great story this weekend. That's all for NASCAR America. For all your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. Great weekend ahead from Phoenix. Cup qualifying tomorrow evening here on NBCSN. We'll see you Sunday after the race for Victory Lap. Thanks for watching. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.